Welcome to Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. Deepak Raunier still feels queasy when he remembers the racism he faced growing up in Udaipur district in eastern Nepal. As one of few dark-skinned kids in the community whose mother tongue was not Nepali, he was taunted by children and singled out for beatings by his headmaster. But as a college student looking for part-time work, he soon discovered that journalism gave him the power to uncover the discrimination that pervaded life in the southern Madesh region. Deepak later honed those skills, traveling the country, writing radio dramas for BBC Media Action. In 2010, Deepak and his wife, actress and filmmaker Asha Magrati, decided it was time to start telling stories from their own point of view, with film as their medium. Their first feature film followed in 2012, Highway, a road movie of sorts about the roadblocks of life in post-conflict Nepal. Highway marked the first time a Nepali director had premiered at an international film festival, the Berlin International Film Festival. Four years later, Adi released its most celebrated film yet, Seto Surya, or White Sun, the story of a village and its people struggling with the legacy of the Maoist conflict. White Sun was Nepal's official selection for the 90th Academy Awards Best Foreign Language Film and took home prizes at the Venice, Singapore, and Palm Springs Film Festivals. The New York Times has called Deepak one of the nine new directors you need to watch. Today, Deepak and Asha live in New York City, where they are finalizing the script of their next project, tentatively called The Sky is Mine. It tells the story of a fair-skinned female police officer assigned to the Madesh in the midst of communal tensions that would soon ignite. If you enjoy this episode, please like, follow, or subscribe to Nepal Now on your podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. You can let us know what you think of the show via social media or send me an email at marty at martylogan, M-A-R-T-Y-L-O-G-A-N dot net. And now, filmmaker Deepak Rauniar. Hi, Deepak. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for this opportunity. Nice to talk to you. So you're living, you're based in New York City. Uh, you've been there a while now, I think, right? Yeah, it's been around nine years that we started to come in and do back and forth. Uh, this time, I think we still have been, it's a month, uh, about a year now that we haven't been back to Nepal. Is that is that because of COVID? Were you planning a trip uh, when, when all of this uh, started to happen? Yeah, we were planning to shoot a film in fall. Um, so we were getting ready about it. Uh, also, we, we had to come earlier to, to start the production. But because of COVID, the shoot has now been pushed for maybe at least summer next year. So we're staying here, writing another film, and doing other works in the meantime. Um, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit and start talking about uh, more about you and your career. I know that uh, you worked for a few years with BBC Media Action, um, creating radio dramas, and you were quite successful. You had a successful team. 
what I would like to ask you about, and I haven't seen it discussed in any other interview, is to talk a little bit about your earlier years. So did you grow up in Udaipur? Did you did you grow up in Saptari? For some reason, I think Saptari. Saptari, uh, I was born in Saptari. And my parents uh, really moved to Udaipur for, my father especially moved to Udaipur for business purposes because we were poor. Uh, I think my grandfather was rich. I think he was a very rich man, but he died uh, when my father was only six months old. He really made his uh, life in Udaipur. So I was really little when we moved to Udaipur. And that is Nepali-speaking community around. I come from Maitri-speaking community looking dark. It was hard growing up, like the racism was the one thing that I learned very, uh, when I was very little. And I grew up that uh, on that society, knowing like how hard it is to learn them different languages and communicate with someone and not being able to look the same the other looks. Yeah, Udaipur uh, is a, uh, particularly like more a hill community. Uh, Madhesis are very little. And uh, we were only one of the early family that m had moved there. So though we had a really supportive community and uh, family that had, were hosting us, uh, as a child growing up in uh, a school where you no one it looks like you and no one speaks your language, uh, I started to get bullied from very early. And that was when uh, I started to learn about racism and how things are in Nepal. Like the, every village used to have mukhias, like this village chief, who would lead, lead the villages. Like they were really uh, one kind of like dictators. So they could beat you and you can do nothing about it. You have always to be able to welcome, welcome them, them in your home. So I, I grew up in that environment, one of the environments that really inspired me later to come into cinema. But I did not have exposure of cinema or I had not been to cinemas until I was 13 years old. So you're, you're, you're living under this system, which is already, as you said, quite authoritarian. And then on top of it, you're being bullied um, because you're, you look different and you speak differently than other kids. I mean, how did you deal with that personally? Did you, did you try to hide from people? Did you get into fights? What kind of, how would you react? Like, I was born in 1978. So it, uh, I, I think I was there uh, by five years old, seven years old. So in the early year, like we were living in a house of uh, family. Uh, their daughter also went to school with me. So she was very protective of me. So she would get into fight for me. And I still remember a couple of events at that, that time, <laughs> which like she complained to her father. Her father was quite an uh, influential man and he complained to teacher and how teacher beat other, uh, other children. But that didn't end. Like she moved to different school, to different town. So I then again became alone growing, uh, growing up and Bullied was not only uh, my colleagues or classmates. One of the uh, person I really remember, I still can't forget, is that my headmaster, uh, who was a Madesi Yadav from Sira somewhere, he would bully me more than anyone else. 
and I, I think about it now was feel like that he didn't have anyone else to fit like that maybe he was oppressed in a situation like that and he would uh, find me as a scapegoat and that really pushed me like to not to sit in the first bench always trying to find the height um, between the classroom somewhere in the middle so he cannot catch me because he would come and pull my hair call me a name and even thinking about it makes me like <laughs> don't want to talk about something like that right now but i think those are the images that never went away and it's not the family like in the west right you can come and complain to your family and family would come to fight for you in nepal is still the family uh, for family teacher are, are the god right so you don't you don't question authority and and uh, authority includes teachers who like you said are are treated like gods and they can do no wrong because they're supposedly making you into a, a better educated person, right? Yeah. And I think it still happens even in Kathmandu here time and again. Right. So uh, is this, do you think you were developing at this time uh, the idea that you wanted to kind of change things so this wouldn't happen to someone else? Like you, you know, you, you saw this personal injustice um, racism, did you start to think that you needed to do something to end this in society? I'm just thinking how you ended up with BBC Media Action doing, you know, radio dramas that dealt with various social issues. I think it, I would be lying if I said, like, as a child, I was thinking about all these things, uh, big thing, uh, like, if I wanted to send or something. But I think it's only de it started to develop when uh, I came to college in Viratnagar and I had to find a part-time job at least to support myself going to school. And one thing I could find was inspired by my friend that I started write for newspapers. And that's kind of like, for the first time I realized how journalism has power. Things started since even in my village because I uh, soon became the reporter for Nepal, already in Nepal. I was a stringer for uh, National Daily. And I started to write about it, and I started to write about, even in my, about my villages and the situation that they were happening there. And I remember things shifting, like remember having, feeling that power, feeling that power of uh, like bringing discussion. That's how I get into media. That's how I really was felt uh, that media was something that, or maybe the only thing that can uh, empower me, that uh, I can tell my side of the story, uh, I can provoke conversation, I can question the society that I live in. Right, okay. Do, do you happen to remember any example of, you know, a report that you did on a particular topic that, that might have had some impact, like as you were describing? One of the topic was, uh, there was a doctor in uh, our village who was a Madesi or Indian, Madesi is from Nepal or someone uh, from India. Sorry, let me, let me just interrupt again. And I, so just to say that Madesh is part of the region of Nepal, like the, the southern part. Um, it's also known as Tarai. But Madesh is also the culture, I think. It's Tarai is kind of the geography. Madesh is the culture and Madeshi are people who come from that area. Is that 
basically right? Yeah, I think Tara is uh, what it means a land. Right. But okay. from the early is like even Vishishar Prashad Kerala or anyone that would write uh, talk about they they always said that I'm going to Madhis. They never said I'm going to Tarai. I think it has become now more political because Madhesis came on the street and demanding the right to be called Madhesis or call their area Madhes. So now the hill politics especially says that there is no Madhes. And, and so not to allow the power, uh, but I think it's always been Madhes and being Madhesis. So, yeah, so I was saying that... Uh, one of the report I had made was like how the doctor uh, was forced to leave the village by the rural uh, elites there. So and that report came out and uh, did really like had created like I even get threatened, but same time also felt that I had power against the village elite, village uh, this mukhyas who is to rule the village. And I think uh, we started also having several different conversations. And even like being on the radio itself, uh, people started talk about like, oh, he's a journalist and he can report it. So that itself like was started to shift power. But it didn't mean that uh, nothing else happened after that. But I at least felt like love with media and uh, felt that avenue that I can express myself. I can tell my side of the story. Right. And so some of these incidents or most of these incidents would have been people from the so-called hill, um, hill castes, castes, or, you know, the, the, the white, lighter skinned people doing something against Madeshi, darker skinned people. Is that often how it happened? Um, it was mixed, like it's Nepal, like, you know, like it's hard to separate uh, poor and rich and Madhesis or hill or sometimes it's caste or gender. There's tons of mixed up. So one way you could also see uh, uh, happening in other part of country is only because it was uh, rich doing something for poor or could uh, be uh, hill, uh, powerful hill men doing something against Madhesis. So as a journalist, it sounds like you had lots of opportunities to talk about um, these these things that were wrong about the society you were living in. Those are the events, uh, I think, forced me to think about uh, the society or question the society that we live in, like why that happens to us, why this happens, uh, or why this exists. In. And that really increased my interest for media. And I started to work for... Uh, I, Work for TV. I work for uh, newspaper, and you, like you mentioned, uh, BBC was the last part of my journalism or say media work, uh, other than cinema. Before BBC, I had uh, worked for National Delhi's in Kathmandu, and and I had already realized that I have to move to film. So in 2004-5, I had uh, left a job in Nepal, Samasar as a text editor, a reporter and had joined Srinivitar Sherpa, a director, to assist his film in Karma. So BBC came two years after that, in 2007, when BBC was trying to do, uh, looking for people to do radio dramas. That came as a turning point for my life, uh, which also gave me a platform to learn and explore, uh, refine my storytelling skills, 
know my country better because it allowed us to travel and explore. We were working with non-actors. We were making dramas on current affairs. So we'd go to villages, cast like non-actors, and work with their stories, improvise the drama, record and edit, and bring every, every week we produce two, week, two episodes of drama. And that really forced us to practice our storytelling. One of the techniques that I learned then, uh, improvising, I still use in cinema. Additionally, what we, what it happened was like 2009, we became best non-English output in the whole BBC, also best team of the year. And that really gave me a courage that I could do something in cinema. And I was also lucky to have a partner who was also interested in cinema and theater storytelling. And in 2010, we decided together that uh, I would leave my full-time career job and we start a company to make, start making our own films. By the time we had done two short films, while in BBC, I did my first short called Threshold Socket. And then we did a short film called Puja for BBC itself. So in 2010, I ended my three-year career with BBC to start my one production company. And one of the things I noticed re-watching a couple of the films is how strong your women characters are. And I'm sure other people have said this to you. So Threshold is a film about women. It's basically two, two women main characters. Um, and then in Highway, I think the women characters are uh, at least as strong and prominent as the male characters. And then again in uh, White Sun, the main female character is, uh, is again very strong, independent. And near the end of the movie, she's the one who manages to bring some assistance so that uh, they can complete the cremation of the, of the father. Where where do these strong women characters come from? Is it, again, this idea of seeing how society treated women badly, or is it from some other personal experience that you had growing up? I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, especially, it uh, does not get talked a lot about in Nepal. Like, I, I think only rarely a couple of people notice it. Uh, I started, it mostly was uh, subconsciously, more than consciously. And then I started to realize what was I was doing it. I was actually editing a, a reel, uh, my directing, directing reel a couple of days ago and was putting all the works together. And as I was joking, like how all the films has, have these female characters and how my work looks gender motivated, like more gender focused. But I think insp- inspirations, I think, comes from the... Uh, of course, how I grew up, uh, because one of the first characters that I remember writing for BBC drama where I was exploring was Barmazia Bali, uh, which was inspired by my uh, brother's wife. I had a nice relationship with her, and we were communicating and like seeing like in how our mother's society uh, women are t- treated. So that that was the character that I was adapting Chokaj. Uh, the female lead in the socket. So this all came through, like even the character in White Sun and the Highway was inspired by real life. Uh, once I realized I started to do it deliberately, was my muscle films had one character called Puja. In Hinduism, like, I like to say that there is, we respect it, 
because we really respect women. But in reality, if you say like, how do we pray for God? Where do we keep the, keep the God? It's like we keep the God in the walls. We start to put the statues of God or pictures of God. And what that means is that God never gets to talk to us. We put in certain place in our home and God never gets to question us. We come and do fasting for them or we uh, offer them something. And that feels like equivalent of like how we treat women in our society. We want a dutiful wives. We want a dutiful daughter who does not question, doesn't ask for anything. Yeah, and certainly some of your 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 main characters do do question, and they're they have strong voices, and that that leads me to something else I was thinking about. I know that currently you're doing uh, what's called the Bharatnagar Film Workshop. One of the things I noticed when I, I was looking for information about it was that a description of the workshop called it an initiative to explore and nurture conscious voices in the Pali cinema. And that really hit me because it, you know, it goes along with this idea of shining a light on things that could be improved in society, things that aren't working uh, racism, the treatment of women, etc. So, my question is: I mean, for you, does cinema have to have a social mission? Is it always more than entertainment? Uh, maybe it's. Uh, I, I'm coming from a background with journalism, and for me, always felt like cinema is not the only entertainment. It could be entertainment, the medium. I think. Uh, and as much as I get exposed of European cinema or even Asian cinemas like uh, Ozu or Kurosawa or even in India, Ray, uh, the films uh, are something like if you talk about West uh, here in the US, Spike Lee uh, making a film. Cinema can do more, much more than entertainment. If cinema is stronger of a society, if art is stronger of a society, you see difference in the society itself. In Nepal, uh, because we're dominated by uh, Indian cinema, especially the Bollywood cinema, not uh, even the better part of Indian cinema, and our schools, uh, our colleges still ignore cinema, and we don't get to talk about cinema in our dinner tables. We don't talk in the families. We don't critically look at the cinema. Uh, and that really, I think, feels uh, reflects that in our daily lives as well. I think cinema can do much more than that if consciously made. So one of the reasons that I got into cinema was that that allows me to question or create the question, the society that I live in, reflect on the society that I live in. Not that I want, uh, my main goal is to entertain people. I'm not an entertainer. I'm here to ask questions I'm here to explore a society that we are living in, if it makes sense anyway. That's my main mission for being in film. My main motivation was that it allowed, uh, it gave me a power to really recreate the experience uh, and bring it to people. So that allows or 
like encourages them to questions about the society we live in. And so do you feel that that, that power you have is greater than the power you had when you were writing for the newspaper or doing radio Nepal? I mean, does this does this medium with the visual part of the medium give you even more uh, influence? Uh, ideally, I do feel uh, it gives more influence uh, than journalism had given me because journalism is all about information, providing information. What cinema can do is create an experience. It's one thing to hear about uh, what happened in Chitwan National Park and how Japan's were Japan's house were burned. Another thing is to be in that village and watch it, what happened. Cinema can create that later part. It can make you, transport you to that village and force you to watch what happened to Japan's and make you question if it is the really the society that we want. That's a, that's a good explanation. Um, and that leads me to this next question, which is, You've been making movies now for about 10 years. And, you know, as you said, you want, you want to raise issues, you want to raise questions, you want to provoke discussion and dialogue. And, you, you know, your, your movies have been very successful, getting more and more successful each one. Do you feel like you're having that impact that you're, you set out to create? Are people having discussions? I mean, I'm sure people come up to you and talk to you. Do you feel like you and maybe other filmmakers and artists are starting to have an impact on society as a whole? It's hard to see in black and white. One thing is not, uh, I think, uh, we have seen impact in the last 10 years, had sensed a lot 10 years ago, uh, or let's say eight years ago when I released a Highway, uh, for first time in Nepal, and four years later when I released White Sun, I could see the difference in our audience or see the society and how we converse about the film. The tone was different. In a, during Highway, if I was in a street, I could have been beaten. There was a huge number of people who were angry about it. The tolerance had increased by White Sun. But uh, same time, saying, been saying that one thing is uh, noticeable is that for someone like me or Min, Min Bam or someone else coming and making a film, it's making a film for one film in four years or five years. We cannot make one every year. We don't have any financing in Nepal, any support in Nepal. We have to do another job or be in a different country where you can sustain to continue making films. That was the discussion that we were having yesterday also with our head of our film board, the new, uh, new head of our film, uh, film development board, saying like how we could support art. Like you talk about Canada, like Marty, where you come from, also uh, talk about where I'm living in the US or European countries. Art is, or cinema is always supported by state, or like state aggressively promotes uh, debate or discussion. That is not happening in Nepal. One of the reasons that we started this workshop feeling that it's not enough only us making films. So we need to nurture other people. We need to nurture young, young people to bring stories, different stories from different parts. And uh, consciously, not only nurturing only one community of people. Because 
I feel sad, like saying, like, we don't have a, even a, a strong female director still now. We don't have any director from Dalits community. We don't have any director other from uh, like a strong coming from a Desi community. These voices are important. And we're doing nothing about bringing those community be able to share their stories. Okay. I, w- I wanted to ask you, you know, looking at your film, the last film, White, White Sun, and how much the theme of the war, the just ended in the movie, um, civil war with the Maoists, between the Maoists and the state, how, how prominent that was in the movie. Do you think that Nepal can move ahead without discussing the war, the aftermath of the war and the issues of the war? Because it seems to me as someone who's, who's lived here now, who came here just at the end of the war and then went away and came back again now, three years ago, four years ago, that there's a tendency people just want to go go on in society as a whole there just doesn't seem to be any consciousness any desire to revisit the war i mean do you think that it will it would be possible to kind of suppress it and move on to better things or is there going to be a need to really rip off the band-aid and and look what's underneath Whiteson was an exploration to see what were, what were the silver linings of the war, how the society had sensed, how our villages have sensed, and if the scar is still permanent there. There was we were trying to look and document in certain way that even from a couple of years, uh, several years from now, we can look back on that time. Because the narrative of Kathmandu right now is that. Uh, War, did, uh, war was totally wrong, and war happened for no reason. And our society, like you said, uh, I think especially like the elites in Kathmandu who controls the media, trying to push one kind of narrative, like we don't question, our, like we only, we not don't question our national army who killed more than Maoist. Uh, we don't question our Nepal police who, like, in recent years, killed more than 100 people in Madhesi areas for the protest. So impunity, like, uh, you can do anything and you don't get punished, has to end, or at least we have to look into it, like, and a culture of, like, it's not only about the war, also after what happened after that. So it's something that we should be talking about, discussing about, and how we should be moving and making a just society. I think we're ignoring it. It's largely also because of the narrative that we create through our media's narrative that we create, or, or places that we're very little places that we have for discussion. Okay, okay. Uh, let me ask you another question. Um, you're, I think it's fair to say that you're known as, uh, at least outside of Nepal, you're known as a Nepali director and this very accomplished Nepali director and the Nepali director who made this and who made that. And I'm wondering how you feel about that, you know, always being labeled the director, almost a representative of a country where at the same time you 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 have a lot of reasons to be critical, right? No, it was, I think uh, Nepal is my country and where I was born, so I don't really 
have difficulty on being called Nepali director. I think Madhesh is one reason and where I belong to Madhesh. I come from that ethnicity and that I always be. But sometimes also a national, Nepali national. So I don't find difficulty in that. Uh, there is no reason, I think. But it becomes difficult like when people try to outside expect you to be the ambassador of the country, wherever you go, and the screen of him, and they want to know more about Nepal, and they start questioning about uh, the country and situation, and what you have not very much good thing to talk about. Uh, that sometimes creates complexity, but also I have seen um, uh, majority the positive uh, feedback, like there was a um, uh, even though they see the fault lines, uh, most of the people were, were interested to visit the country and want to know about the country, know more about the country. I have uh, uh, several uh, messages where someone has watched the film and gone to Nepal and wrote me back after again. Do you ever feel, you know, about being this the, a Nepali director and one of the most internationally well-known Nepali directors? Do you feel that pressure that you are representing Nepal? Um, I mean, does the next movie, do you feel like your next movie has to do better than the last one did? I didn't. I don't feel really uh, like a pressure of being a, a director from a certain uh, one country, like being a Nepali director that I have to do everything. And that should carry Nepal more larger. I'm more, I think I'm focused on my personal experience or my personal voice, what I want to talk about it. And I'm more concerned about how good I can that bring that uh, on a screen, what kind of experience that I could create. And of course, like any filmmaker from uh, one to another film wants to be more mature, want to do better work, but I don't think that is always possible. Uh, it's uh, one film to another, it's a different film, uh, a different context, and you are different, like five years ago, what I was. I'm a different right now, I'm not the same person. We're evolving every every time, every month, or every day. And even if I did White Sun right now, or a Highway right now, would be do differently. Are you ever surprised at how quickly you've succeeded? For me, looking at your career, like I said, 10 years, more or less. You've done now two full-length features, and you had a couple short movies. Each one is is having a better, a better reaction, better received internationally. Does, did you expect it to go this well? Uh, of course, I did not plan or had, didn't know much about it because when I was doing highway, uh, I didn't know how my interest market functions even and how festival works. But I did uh, have a dream that I was feeling that should premiere at one of the major festivals. That is the only way you can get exposure for the cinema that you really wanted. And, and that can uh, allow you some distribution internationally. I hope it, my third would be more mature than the second one, but also sometimes I'm scared because it's more personal. It's back into my own community where I was born and looking at the Madhesi protest. Uh, 
of 2015, where more than 50 people were killed, a lot of even seven or eight policemen were also killed. Looking beyond the reason of the violent protest, and why people were protesting like that. So exploring that, exploring the race uh, or gender issues in our society, especially racial issues that we, I don't think uh, even in Nepal, we realize that we have racism. Uh, outside Nepal, I think no one knows that Nepal ha is a country that goes to racism. This is something, uh, international issue right now. So I want to explore that in the cinema, uh, the question of nationality, question of racism or gender in my next film. Uh, the movie is going to be called The Sky is Mine, right? That's a working title right now, made sense, but uh, that's, uh, that's the title that we have now. Is it, is it an attempt to link an issue-based movie with a more kind of fast-moving story? Would that be a way to describe it? Yeah, uh, what did happen is like with Highway and White Sun, we uh, did have a good festival success. And also, White Sun got released, released to about 15 uh, countries, theoretically, which had never happened to for Nepali films earlier, because we didn't uh, used to get theoretical releases in this country, and we had reviews in the newspaper like New York Times, BBC. We got the exposure widely, and that also helped my career. But meantime, like, it's hard to make a film for four or five years and not make any money. With this, uh, Sky is my attempt to look at the gen uh, genre of cinema, explore the genre in social issue backdrop. So to give you an example, it would be something like uh, Spike Lee has been uh, trying for a long time, has done for a long time, something like Akira Kurosawa used to do quite earlier in time. So something like that genre, uh, style, uh, what I was trying to explore is a police detective uh, cinema, but that explores the social issues. So it's a, a film about a deputy superintendent who is transferred, uh, promoted and transferred to a Madesi region in the midst of protest. She's light skin, um, but Meantime, also a female who has to fight uh, because in Nepal police, female are less than 5%. So she has to fight to get that position. She is herself a minority in the department, but she has a blind spot. She does not understand the racism. So she comes to this place where she does not understand the reason of protest, why people have to protest like that, why this is that violent. She doesn't sympathize it. But once she's forced to go beyond her comfort zone into the society, uh, what we see is how she develops of understanding it, uh, of the depth of the society, complexity of the problem, understanding, seeing mothers from different angle, different light. And as an audience, I, my hope is that we also see something that what she sees from her eyes we look to society from her, her perspective, but in uh, in a setting of a genre film where we also 
can attract a larger population of the country so more people come to see it because it's important also subject wise that people get to see that can create if they understand the issue that madhisis are going through uh, i'm hoping that can create some kind of bridge between the societies certainly the timing is good uh, in terms of what's happening around the world as you mentioned right yeah for me it was also like uh, it is my third feature and for me it was finally a time to get back to home because i was uh, i didn't feel confident as a first uh, as a first feature to deal with this subject do you feel good about doing something that's closer to your own experience or are you also a bit worried about about not having that distance from the way you have with the other ones yeah like i said earlier like because it's being a, a personal i'm also scared about it dealing with but i had I, I already been like pushed it for so long so i think it feels like the right time right and and your your fear if i can call it that is it uh, are you worried that nepalis will see this and think you know you've you've gone too far you've exaggerated things you're you're um shaking a hornet's nest you're you're bringing up all of these divisive issues is is that your fear or is it that the movie just won't be as attractive to the audience I think it's mixed uh one thing is like it's really hard to do a film about your something that is close to you I think you lo- start losing uh, the objectiveness and that's uh I think one fear that I have and also like it because that that it took me so long year to write it but I feel good about the script that we have now we're finalizing it and uh i do think uh, that it could create uh, like other could feel like that um, as aggregating or creating and bringing the trouble dividing the society but that's not the intention for me and i think that's always come from the elite who holds the power so I, i'm not really uh, worried about them my aim is to reach as much as possible people to show this film which I feel will create the bridges between the communities, make people understand each other better, uh, rather than creating, like, divide. Uh, I wish you all the best on this movie and in your other projects. But, uh, I really appreciate you doing this, Deepak. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Marty. I thank you for creating this opportunity and also to having this conversation like this with you. Thank you so much.